when a prodigy performer with legs insured for a million pounds becomes a young mum at 17, the noise of everyone else's limiting assumptions and narrow-minded predictions fell on deaf ears. In fact, it was rocket fuel for this now mother of 10 who went on to smash her C-suite career and explosive business success right out of the ballpark. What's her secret? Find out as I asked Anusha Melina Durban, C-suite leadership consultant and founder of School for Mothers, who for the first time reveals the real secret behind her success she's never shared before today's interview. Welcome to the Empower podcast for mums in business. We are women building a business we love while making a home for the ones we love more than anything. I'm your host, Nicola Hewlin. Join me as I talk to seemingly ordinary women just like me and you as they share their extraordinary stories and inspirational advice to bounce back even stronger from challenging times and thrive in business, motherhood, and life. So I am delighted to welcome to today's episode, Danusha Malina Durban. Hi, Danusha. Hi, Nicola. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so, so much for joining us today to come along to share. I know... Um, you probably have multiple bounce back stories and I can't wait to hear which ones you've chosen to share with us today because given you know your extensive experience in the corporate world in the business world and being a mother of 10 I can't wait to hear your bounce back story so let's just start there I'm going to hand straight over please do what's what's the bounce back story or stories you'd like to share with our audience today well, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. It's a great honor and I'm, I'm really grateful. And, oh, you know, and for that immense <laughs> intro there. I, yeah, I have a lot of bounce back stories and I, I, um, I've had to think carefully. And I, I guess one of my first bounce back stories, and I, I, I have a major one, but I really need to go back to one that was pretty significant for my life. At 17, I realized actually on my 17th birthday that I hadn't had a period. And, you know, to cut it short, I discovered I was pregnant and I wasn't uh, expecting that. I wasn't, uh, wasn't my plan, let's say. And more to the point, I had a scholarship to the Royal Ballet. I'd been a very, you know, capable dancer, competent dancer. And I had a future because I had I had a future in in the Italia Conti Stage School. I already had won a completely full scholarship, which they only give one a year, and and so my future was set. That Danusha was going off in September, you know, and and to take up this prestigious place, blah blah blah. And actually, February, I was sat there going, hmm, I'm three months pregnant. So Danusha didn't go off to this prestigious place. Danusha actually began knitting <laughs> for little, the little, you know, I was encouraged to, well, when I was encouraged to have an abortion, which I clearly didn't. Um, and this, you know, it's, it's not, it's not about our views about, I mentioned that not about views of whether that was right or wrong. I made that choice at that time 
given where I was in my own self. Mm-hmm. And I continued the pregnancy and I gave birth to my son later that year. Uh, completely shattered my life in the sense of, you know, it didn't take my place up. My contemporaries were doing their A-levels. I was breastfeeding. <laughs> I was, mm-hmm. I was off career course completely for the first time because I'd been a very, very determined girl. I, I had a, an unusual upbringing in the sense that I didn't do things like, I don't know, brownies or ride a bicycle because my legs were insured for a million pounds back then. Uh, you know, I couldn't do so many of the things that girls did. And then suddenly I had this little child to look after. I did I did bounce back from that in, in that I didn't stay home. In my definition, I bounced back because I didn't take on the narrative that my life was ruined. Everyone around me, I was brought up in a you know, very um, rural, privileged Devonshire uh, little village. And uh, as far as they were concerned, I'd ruined my life. And I would, I would have to find a man to marry me somewhere because I wasn't with the father. And, uh, and actually I did marry, I did marry him, <laughs> which they thought was funny. I did actually manage to marry him. He was wonderful. And we had, well, subsequently had more children. But the fact is, the obvious thing was that I had not done what I was supposed to. And I would make nothing of my life. I was, I was soiled goods and I was done. Now that didn't turn out to be the case actually and there's a there's a bit of story there of you know how I recovered but the my real big bounce back story I guess would be fast forward quite a few years and in 2012 I discovered that I was having triplets by then I'd been a a, a, an academic I'd set up my own company um, a leadership development company doing very very well I was in the city working at board level uh, advising at board level and I did want a last baby I already had seven and I loved having this very big family and marrying raising children with creating a, a big impactful business loved it but I knew I knew at a soul level and it might sound crazy to listeners I knew that it a very soul level that there was one more child to come through it just was a very deep spiritual knowing it's not as if I wanted to be pregnant I don't particularly enjoy it do I like labor no don't show them like peas all of those assumptions about me they're wrong it wasn't easy it's just that I felt I've always walked to the kind of path of my spiritual knowing and so I knew and in my 40s, I was in my 40s, was like, everybody said no, but I was like, no, that's, they're wrong. And I found myself pregnant. I don't mean I found myself. I obviously know how it happened. And um, my partner and I. <laughs> you laugh. Uh, I'm going to sit here and giggle throughout your story. <laughs> well, it's not like, I, you know, I, I had worked out how it happened. <laughs> and my partner and I said, okay, all right, let's see. You know, we went for tests and specialists said no not likely to happen you know you've got a few eggs left but let's be honest just 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 why don't you focus elsewhere and uh, that's not me and I thought no okay so we we're doing this and I found I was pregnant and I was pregnant with triplets 
And this was at a stage where my, my business was exponentially kind of uh, blossoming would be too sweet a way of putting it. It was exploding in the city, in New York, in, in other countries where really to be pregnant with triplets was just terrible timing, but also exceptionally high risk. And I, I, I just knew that again, I was asked if I wanted to, as they call it, selectively reduce for safety's reasons um, uh, and every every woman that has higher order multiples more than two uh is is offered that in the uk mm-hmm. it's just a standard procedure that you okay. we can reduce these children we can take them down to twins or we can take them down to a singleton and i again i followed my heart which said i know what will be will be and i continued the pregnancy at, at severe risk actually uh, to them and myself, but a, a lot, a lot to myself. Uh, and I, it was, it was, it was really hard. It was one of the toughest periods of my life where I had to hold that sense of uh, hopefulness with reality of this may not happen. And and actually, those kinds of pregnancies, the pregnancy itself is extremely high risk. But it's that's day one. If you if you actually give birth to those children. It's not over. So I, I gave birth at six months, uh, so 12 weeks early. And that, that's really where the, the, the actual journey began. So first stage, can I, can I get them to a viability 24 weeks? I made that. I should say I have singletons that are premature, so I already have premature labours. So it's why we knew that I was going to be really on the edge of can I actually keep these alive? and bring them to aliveness. And during this pregnancy, I, my partner and I sat down, a lovely man who I was due to marry, and we actually stopped the, stopped all, you know, the wedding stuff because we were, because I was so ill. Um, so we didn't marry. And during that process, during that time, it became obvious to me that he had to either do some quite serious work, you know, um, personal development, or he needed to step away because the stress of being together was going to be too hard and in fact I had a fantastic consultant who said you know you need to go do this work because you're putting so much stress into this uh, situation that Danusha might lose these babies before they can even get to viability so you know do something with yourself man which is pretty unusual for a consultant to actually Mm. be that you know um, strident with with a patient's husband or partner and anyway to cut it short, I became a single mother carrying triplets and a very big business and other children while, you know, during this process, that's what happened. And my, my, um, I couldn't imagine, I really couldn't imagine carrying triplets with, with everything and doing it alone. It, I think it was one of the starkest times for me. I remember when I was that teen thinking, well, well, how am I going to do this then? I've, I've ruined my life <laughs> and, and actually showing myself that that was not the case. But because I was responsible for carrying three little people whilst also I was still walking into boardrooms and um, actually vomiting. I vomited right to the end and, and then kind of not remembering that I was carrying triplets by the way I was tiny so I didn't even look like I was pregnant at this stage 
and I, I began showing around 22 weeks, around that kind of stage. And I gave birth a few weeks later. So nobody really got used to me being pregnant. So they expected me to be normal, but I wasn't. And that the, the sheer terror of carrying these little people was um, something that I haven't had to do before. And it is different than singletons. I didn't know if I could do it. I, I didn't know if I could, if I got there, could I cope with what I was about to deal with? So it's all about coping with the unknown. And when they were born, they were very, very ill, as you can imagine. And they were in, you know, they were in intensive care for a long time. And I, in fact, returned to the city about three weeks after they came out of the special care. And one of the reasons I did that was because I had to. It wasn't because I was attempting to be superwoman and it bouncing back um, because I wanted to prove anything. Oh God, no. I was still, I was breastfeeding. I mean, I was, I was so profoundly lucky that I was also um, determined to put these tiny little premies, micro premies to my breast. And I was lucky that I'd breastfed seven children. Um, and I know the hell that that can be. It's not easy breastfeeding. No. Again, it's not. But, you know, I'd, I'd gone through mastitis I'd, I'd several times, but I'd stuck with it. But I'm just bloody minded. Um, and, <laughs> and I had managed. So I was determined that somehow these children would get on my breast. They don't get their sucking reflex till their 32 weeks gestation anyway. But I, I got the buy-in of the senior matron in the intensive care unit. And I said... I can see one of them doing this with his mouth. It's Horatio. I remember it so vividly. And I said, I want to take him out with all his wires and I want to put him into my breast. She went, do it, do it, girl. <laughs> Which was fantastic. And, um, oh, I got a, I got a delivery. Oh, that's good. I'm sure some, one of my kids will answer the door. That's exciting. Um, it is. Oh, <laughs> yes, goodness knows what it is. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I love these live things when we're recording. <laughs> Me too. I had to check the Zoom meeting room because that your doorbell sounds exactly like my Zoom my Zoom meeting room. I thought, oh, we've got another person joining us, but we haven't. So. <laughs> no, we haven't. No. So um, I uh, going back to the boardroom. I re-entered that kind of high octane, fast pace consulting arena, not because I was in any shape or form wanting to be this superwoman at all. It's simply that I was the only earner and I got the most profound, like impactful, exciting assignment during that time, during while they were in, in special care, that I, and they, literally the company, the bank threw it at me and said, are you coming to do this? And I was like, okay, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I better had because it was such an incredible opportunity and actually it had a huge impact. It was for a, an African, it was, it was impacting an African bank. And I, I knew I wanted to do that. And it was a case of how can I breastfeed these tiny little people, support them, have them be loved and be there pretty well all the time but also go and do this I think that was one of my biggest things now they're just seven their own luck wow I'm the luckiest woman they're alive they've been through multiple operations um, for all sorts of conditions they've been they're they're 
wonderful children. Um, you know, one is special needs. I, I wanted three things in my life, never to have to bury a child. I wanted, I asked, I asked the universe, please don't give me these three things. I'm not up to it. I'm such a good woman in so many ways, but I'm not up to these three situations. Please don't let me have a baby that dies or a child that dies. I never want to bury a child. Please don't let me homeschool children. I, I don't have the patience for this. Makes this particular situation funny doesn't it with what we've been yeah, through or are going home through. learning absolutely home learning and please don't please don't ask me to have a disabled child it's going to sound awful but i'm telling you the truth those are the three little packs that i naively said to the universe I'm, i just don't think i've got the material for those if you wouldn't mind other people do and i you know it's just i don't i've had to bury a child I have, I have a disabled child, a beautiful little son, and I homeschool. I've had to homeschool him. So the universe has given me all these opportunities to grow as a woman and bounce back from what I never thought I could do. And my business is thriving. And, you know. <laughs> incredible, incredible. And... Before I hit record, you and I were having a little chat and I was saying how I don't, you know, I'm not, the, I'm, I'm a coach, I'm not a professional interviewer and I just sit here listening to these incredible stories going, wow, wow. And that's the first one I want to say as you finish your stories, like, where do we start with all of that? Because if the audience are anything like I am, they would have been captivated by this your incredible story starting from when you were 17 I mean the whole thing is just mind-blowing and the question that pops into my head and how many people have asked you this like what what's what's your secret how did you do it especially when you got to that that point where you know you you were defining how okay at this point in my journey I may single mother I already have seven children already my jaws dropping it's like you know just that alone I'm carrying triplets I'm going into the boardroom I'm holding down this incredible business in the city as well whilst you know not sailing through you said it was sheer terror of carrying these three little people on top of all of that what would you say your secret is oh you know, over the years, I've been I've been asked this question, and it's it it's it is it is the obvious question, and I I've struggled for years to answer this, and particularly before I had the triplets, because I do believe that they are the catalyst to my full growing up and really standing in my mission in the world. Before I was very I, I was quite keen on things for my own not my own ego, but I needed to, you know, do a lot of proving and, and I wanted to make sure I was doing well. The triplets really like smashed that for me. I smashed all of that. If, cause I think the universe gave me the opportunity to say, okay, you did it with seven dear. Let's see what you do with these three. Come on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take you just that bit higher. And my answer pre triplets would very much have been, and I think I was trying to do what people wanted me to say, which was oh, what practical tips you have. What, you know, do you get up early in the morning? By the way, I do, you know, I, I, all those practical, give us a formula. And, and in the last couple of years, as, as I've <laughs> got my breath, 
um, for a start. Uh, and you know, since, since they're a little bit older now, I've realized something about how, what the secret to this is. And it's not, it's a secret that we all can have, thank God. And it's don't listen to the noise of what you're being told. Don't mm. listen to the noise around you. So I don't listen during my journey. I don't listen to the noise. And the noise is the noise about what is possible for us as women, uh, let alone when we become mothers. The noise when we become mothers of who we should be, how we should do it, what the children need, uh, how we need to look, what kind of careers we can have, uh, what age we can do things at. I mean, every step of the way, whichever way or so you turn your ears, you turn your face, there will be someone, whether it's the narrative in society, whether it's uh, your family, your friends, whether in fact it's the internal narrative that we've ingested, we've taken it in, and then we feed it to ourselves on a daily basis. We wake saying, well, of course I can't do that, or not for me, not for me. You know, it's audacious. It's audacious to have 10 children. It's audacious to have triplets. It's, excuse me, but fucking stupid. I'm not sure if you're allowing me to say that. But, <laughs> you know, but that's me. You know, it's like, fuck, fucking stupid to have. You know, who has triplets? My dog is so silly. You're not going to have a career because that's what the world says. But actually, what do I want? What do you want? What do your listeners want? So it's, I had, to, I had a book deal for a book about this. And I, and I started writing it and I, and I, I know my stuff on this, been living it for years, you know, how to, how to create big career with lots of kids or kids and how to be sane, how to, how to continue being yourself. And I just was totally bored. I'm like, Oh God. But once I realized that it's the noise, I've been able to sort, bring, bring what's really important. So I don't, I don't think you know this, Nick, but I'm, my, my book is called Noise. I'm, I'm going, I'm Perfect. bringing the book Noise to the world. And it's, what the, main, least, <laughs> it's the least noisiest book because I am taking down the bullshit noise around what it takes to be a mother. I feel quite emotional about it because I've, you know, I've lived this since I was 17. I've carved out my space with children I've never had a day's work without kids before by the time I was nearly 22 I went on immediately after my first to have more with my 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 husband that I married and and that was fantastic and you know I I haven't had a space to have a career actually I'll put that better I didn't give myself space you know I, I take ownership of this and responsibility I I did this to myself and what I know is I've had people Nick say to me why did you make it so hard for yourself? <laughs> like, mm, well, that's mm. a good question. I love how you, I, I, first of all, I've, I've just said it, I'll say it again, noise. I love that title. I love the concept of the book. I can't imagine, well, obviously it has to be you that authors this, this book. And I love how you touch on that noise. Those stories come from external and intern you know come from other people around us and are are fed to us but also we create them ourselves and I I, I love there's that dual aspect to the noise and the stories yeah because 
it's it's too easy to say certainly in the last few years you know it's all patriarchy it's it's it, it's their fault it's if they didn't say this to us we wouldn't we we wouldn't be doing this and uh it, it uh, and absolutely there's an element of yes you're right and when did we have to take it on mm. at what point did we have to say you're right i'll take guilt for a for um, an example you know there there is this massive narrative that as soon as we become mothers we will naturally become guilty and so what happens is the more i mean you know in classes nct classes or you know um, antenatal classes or just chat chit chat between pregnant women new mothers between mothers it's like oh the guilt the guilt the guilt are you feeling guilty yes i'm feeling guilty gosh yes well you know, look at memes, look at social media, everywhere. It's an assumption that is built in that we will be guilty. And actually what I've seen is that mothers who don't feel guilty feel guilty about not feeling guilty. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. Actually, and I wish I could just magically pop uh, Emily Thorpe into this conversation with us for three, because yes. she's doing this national survey on guilt and you know, um, a, such a high proportion of, of mothers not only feel guilt, but have been feeling it for years or ever since they had children, you know, every single day. And, it, and the ones that don't, I think you've just hit the nail on the head. It's like, well, I feel bad that I don't feel bad. <laughs> that is, yeah, that because is it's a guilty club. On. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I've had women say to me, I don't feel guilty. Should I feel guilty? Mm. I'm like, no. <laughs> coming back, coming back to it, it's where did this notion that there is, it is a natural state that as, you weren't guilty before, but as soon as you have birthed that child or you've, you know, uh, you, you've adopted a child that you've taken on the role of mother, that you're doing mothering then when, when did we take that as gospel? Why did we say in ourselves, we've said that, oh, that's, that's the case. So I'm going to feel guilt. And of course, then when we tell ourselves we feel guilt, we, we, we say yes to the noise of it. And then of course we create it just like we tell, we tell teenagers that when they're 12, they won't be awful. They won't hate their parents, but we tell 13 year olds of course now you're a, you're a teenager so you become difficult you won't like us you won't do, i mean i could go into a whole stream of what we tell teenagers that they feel when actually if you really delve into it kind of a lot of teenagers said I, I don't hate my parents at all it's a bit awkward that they tell me that you know i do this <laughs> i don't hate my parents yeah. i don't really just want to kick back because i'm a teenager what happens overnight from 12 to 13 but we begin to expect it and we then ascribe all things to that. And we ascribe our feelings to that notion of guilt. So when we are in charge, we are in charge of this noise. We can dial it in, we can dial it down, we can listen, we can do what we like. We are in charge of this. And, and I think that's it, that when I was trying to find practical solutions and gosh, I've got them. I've got lots of practical solutions about how to do this, you know, juggle. Of course I do. 
But when I was trying to do that, I was really coming away from the central, like core, underlying notions that are built into what it means to be a mother, but also a woman and a working woman. That is and so to, powerful. That is so yeah, powerful. And to really look. Just coming back to your, your book. So I... I am pretty sure there's going to be loads of people listening in going, okay, where's the book? When's the book? How will I be able to get hold of it? Tell us a bit more about your, your book plans, because this is going to be such an inspirational and important book and message. Oh, thank you. I don't know what the book, the, the book will be out later this year. I'm very soon. I mean, genuinely, because I'm about to answer it in this way, because genuinely, I didn't know I was going to talk about this. I'm, I'm, I, it was only when you said, so what's the secret? I was like, I would normally tell you like all these other things of here's things to do, but actually those will help. But if you don't get the noise out, nothing really helps. Yeah. That's the journey. That's the journey. So I'll, I'm putting, I'm putting um, on schoolformothers.com. I'm actually going to very soon put up a, a, a page around the book. But I'm, I, I'm seriously, Nick, telling you, you're one of the first people I've told about this because I've been sitting on this for a while because I was a bit disappointed when I didn't follow through with my earlier book. I was, I kind of got friends going like, how's the book? (laughs) I've published before. I've, I've written other things, but it was just like, I know it's a bit (laughs) bit shabby, isn't it? You know, and it becomes an embarrassment and, and actually there's another bit of noise like, Oh, shouldn't it be easy for you just to whip out this book and get it out into the world? Yeah, it could be, but I've, I remember um, Sarah Beek. Her name is Sarah Beek. She um, she she ditched a, a publishing deal at great cost to herself because they wanted her to publish something that was different than her soul was telling her to do, and she had to suffer the embarrassment of that because everyone was waiting for that book, mm. and I didn't have that embarrassment, but I had an internal shame about. Like, you know, there was a little fanfare about the book that was going to come out and it didn't come out. And that's okay. It's all right. Yeah. You can have that kind of human, like, I changed my mind. And the thing is, I don't just change my mind because I'm flippant or like, I don't know, frivolous. I changed my mind because there's something bigger. Yeah. Because there's something. And because I want to go back to that sentence that you said earlier, which was so beautiful and powerful. I wrote it down because you walk the path of your spiritual knowing. I mean, books are, um, you know, I've, I've published a book. I was saying for five years, I'm going to write a book. And I was, and it didn't take five years because I was lazy or the timing's got to be right. And your noise, this, this book you're going to write, noise wouldn't have been noise if you'd have written it two, three years ago, perhaps. No, it, no, it wouldn't. And, and literally I had a, you know, I was working with a, a publishing company. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I know that it would have been a nice, nice success, a nice success, but it would have been a shadow of the real impactful jostling, jostling of the very foundations of what it means and that's the woman I am I'm not a woman who 
you know, machinates around kind of prissies around the edges. That's not the kind of consulting I do. No, it's transformational. It's big. It's sustained. And and that's what I, and it's so sometimes we can just bail on ourselves because it's easier because, you know, why not? But actually it's not in the end. And, and so that's why my path is not a typical path. And, but then that's it. Who wants to be typical? Noise tells us to be typical. Noise tells us that, you know, there is a formula to do things. There isn't a formula, you know. It's being in touch with yourself and knowing that you're choosing what's right for you. And that that takes courage. That does Uh, take courage. That really does take courage. And I just want to say thank you for sharing it here in this podcast. You know, I feel I feel honored really honored and I hope the audience are as excited as I am to be in on the upcoming noise and um, we will all be looking out for it later this year. Danusha, thank you. Do you know what I'm looking at the clock and I'm, I, I, I am noticing how quickly time's flying. I know I could sit here and talk to you for at least another six hours or or till the end of the working day. But I'm for- been lovely, Nick. Thank you. It's so been much. amazing. <laughs> it has been amazing. And audience, there you have it. The secret is around the noise. Keep an eye out for Danusha's, but you'll be able to go in the show notes. Um, we'll put information so that you can um, pop over and check out uh, Danusha's website and you know and get information about forthcoming books. And but before we go, Danusha, I. I love to ask each bounce back guest to leave our audience with what we call our bounce back invitation. And that is either a question you would like to leave our audience to reflect on as part of their bounce back um, journey, Um, whether they're going through a challenge now or if they were going to be facing um, a, a challenge in the future. So either a question you'd like to leave our audience with or a particular ch- bounce back challenge. So what would your bounce back invitation to our audience be? My, my bounce back challenge is the question, what noise do you want to dial down and why? Perfect. What a powerful question to end on. And um, we would love to hear your responses to those tuning in. Share your answer. What's the noise that you can hear and want to dial down? Um, Share your answers on our hashtag bounce back stronger. We'd love to hear from you. Danusha, thank you so, so much for joining us. I know time is precious, particularly in the current climate with lots going on and you with business and your amazing family of 10 children i know how time precious is so thank you really appreciate you coming and sharing that wisdom it's been a pleasure thank you bye for now everybody and see you on the next episode thank you for listening to the empower podcast for mums in business and thanks goes to our podcast series sponsors bounce life insurance to protect you your business and your family to get your free startup and business growth kickstart guide and to find out about our empower community go to empower.global